I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. And joining me today is author and mindfulness mentor. She's the Her new book is Raising Good Humans, A Mindful Guide to Breaking the Cycle of Reactive Parenting and Raising Kind, Confident Kids. And we're talking to Hunter Clark Fields. Parents often react on autopilot to their children's misbehavior. These reactive moments are when we are at our parenting worst, when we get overwhelmed and angry at our kids. Many of us find ourselves yelling, especially if a parent yelled and shouted to control the situation and dominate us when we were children. Research has shown that yelling makes children more aggressive physically and verbally. Yelling undermines our ability to successfully guide our children to more skillful choices. Host of the Mindful Mama podcast and creator of the Mindful Parenting online course, her writing has appeared in CNBC, NBC, HuffPost, Tiny Buddha, uh, Mothering, and much more. Welcome to the show, Hunter. Nice to have you on today. Thank you so much, Catherine. So great to be here. Well, as I said before we got on the air, great topic, raising good humans, difficult to do now, I think even more so for parents living in this past year of quarantining with our kids. You talk about yelling. This is a huge topic, at least among parents and grandparents that I know. So how do we avoid that? How do we avoid that? Yeah, (laughs) that's my first question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, first of all, I think it's helpful to understand like what's happening when we're yelling and it in a lot of ways it's like not really not entirely our fault you know where when uh when we yell our we're our stress response is activated our nervous system is perceiving the situation with our child as a threat so you know the stress response is activated fight flight or freeze And then, you know, all those things that happen along with that, your heart rate, your muscles getting tense and all of those things. And one of the things that happens along with that is that the the stress response ends up literally sort of like cutting off access to the slower thinking parts of your brain, which are kind of the areas we want to access. Like it cuts off access to our prefrontal cortex area, which is like where our higher order thinking, problem-solving ability, empathy, verbal ability, where all of that is, you know, to be reactive. Like, we evolved to be reactive. So, this is all, like, not a choice that parents make or grandparents make. (laughs) You know, no one wakes up in the morning and says, I think I'm going to lose it at Sophie at 2 o'clock. You know, like, we don't do that. So it's just important to, and it's really important to kind of take a step back and understand what's happening with our nervous system, kind of first of all. Can we take a step back? And I'm going to ask you a question because to kind of put it in terms that put a face on all of this as a social worker, that's what we were always saying, put a face on it. So you're a mom, you wake up in the morning, you've got three kids, two, they're all screaming because they want breakfast and one of them doesn't want breakfast and it's chaos in the kitchen and you haven't slept a good part of the night. Uh, You aren't, and, you know, then there's something that happens that sort of just, you know, somebody uh, pours a you know, bottle of milk on the floor and what, how do you prevent yourself from just exploding, yelling, you know, exacerbating the situation? 
That's a, that's a great question. In that situation, <laughs> there, there's a lot stacked up against that poor mama. Like her, she hasn't gotten enough sleep. So she doesn't have a lot of resources in that moment to be able to make a conscious choice on how to respond. Because what, um, what I've learned about the nervous system and in, in my studies about mindfulness is that that ability to uh, stay non-reactive, right, to be able to choose our response in that moment, it's a muscle that we build. It's not just something that we can say, okay, you know, Hunter and Catherine said that's a, not great to yell, so I'm just going to not yell. Like, it's actually more of a muscle that we have to build, and it's, so it's an ability. You know, it's not like you can go, you know, and lift huge barbells without practicing first, right? Or we don't, we don't send our kids to the Little League World Series, which this is like the parenting equivalent of the Little League World Series, right? Without yeah, well said. To practice and, and learning some skills and getting some coaching and some muscle memory first, right? You can't, you can't expect that. So to expect a great response in that moment where that mom has so few resources is, um, is unrealistic, I think. So what that, what I would if that mom were working with me, what I would work on are two things. Like I would work on ways to respond in those challenging moments, but also building the habits in our life that steady the heart, the mind, and the nervous system so that we build a muscle of non-reactivity. So it's, some, it's a resource within us that we can access, not just some pie-in-the-sky thing that we're reaching for and then we say, oh, I guess that's not me. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. So I gave you an example of the World Series of yelling. We want to step back from that, and you, have, and that's true, you know. But so let's let's and building that muscle. Yes, let's let's start with that. You're absolutely right, and it does make sense. So what would be a different scenario, one that wasn't quite what I described, but something where you begin to build that muscle of okay, I am not going to react with yelling. I'm going to react in a different way. Be mindful of how I'm responding. We'll take a few steps sure. back. Yeah. 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 So it, like in, in my mind, in mindful parenting, the first thing we start people off with is a, a mindfulness meditation practice, as little as three or five minutes a day that because just the research is so clear on this, that it lowers our anxiety, it lowers um, instances of depression, and really, really importantly for parents, it inc- increases our impulse control. So it really helps us to build that overall muscle. So we're, we're working on that. Let's imagine mom's been working on that for, for a few weeks. And, and then we get to a situation where, um, you know, breakfast is chaotic. And what we, can, what we start to do is if we, as we get into these challenging moments, we start to, like, bring that awareness right? Mindfulness is uh, a practice of being aware of what's happening in the present moment and observing without reacting, right? With what's happening in the, in the present moment with, a kind, with an attitude of kindness and curiosity. And so what mom does is start to observe what's happening. I'm starting to feel with all this noise, I'm starting to feel really tense and frustrated, right? And, you, and she says that out loud. And so what's happening as she says that out loud is that it actually provides a lot of relief. She's offering herself the experience of being seen and heard and acknowledged. And our feelings <laughs> are like, 
I kind of think of our feelings as like, like little toddlers that are like, hear me, see me, feel me until they'll go away. You know, (laughs) they're totally dogged. And so as, as she offers herself this, you know, the, this name it, it's like name it to tame it. Right. Dan Siegel talks about that. And she, then it's like a little bell in her brain that says, Oh, I'm starting to get down this path. Then she can have a choice to say, okay, I'm going to just take a break. I'm going to go in the bathroom. I'm going to, I'm going to sigh it out. I'm going to use some of those tools to calm down my nervous system because I can feel that stress response happening. So using, she goes in and and uses some tools to calm down her nervous system. And it should like the whole thing of milk go on the floor and she, we can even in those, some of those moments, we can even start to um, yell skillfully. <laughs> and, um, right, yell and skillfully. I, I'm I, going to stop you there. How do we <laughs> yell skillfully? <laughs> yes. So a lot of times when we yell, we're like, what's wrong with you? Wow. This is yeah. So we, we're, we're really kind of unskillful. We're very blameful in our language when we, we yell. And it creates a lot of disconnection and it creates all those bad things that you talked about in the beginning of the episode. Um, And what what I mean about yelling skillfully is that we can yell then in a a way like, oh, I'm so frustrated right now. I'm feeling really angry. (laughs) You know, (laughs) this is too much, right? You can yell all of those things and that may be a skillful means of yelling where your kids are like, oh my gosh, what's happening? They're on alert. You know, you may not have been able to stop that, that ye- tur- stop that yelling train that's going 90 miles an hour in that one direction, but you can change the outcome by speaking in terms of like an I message about that yeah, yelling. Yeah, that's really critical. That's really important. I, you know, I think that's really something to, to hone in on because taking responsibility for your own feelings of frustration, I'm just going to reiterate that. That's really important rather than blaming the kids. Why did you do that? That was stupid. I mean, you can go on and on rather than I'm feeling I'm feeling frustrated. I'm upset. I'm exhausted. I'm whatever I am. That's a huge difference. It doesn't perpetuate this kind of like going after your kids. I think that's a really important point. Yeah. 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 I mean, we're we're not going to get to a state where we're like, you know, some people think of the idea of mindful parenting or mindfulness and think like, oh, yeah, like, that's for really calm people or really yeah. relaxed people. And I assure you, like, these tools have been developed in my own life because I need them so desperately because <laughs> I'm not, I'm a naturally have like a pretty bad temper. And, and, you know, it doesn't make it so you're like so, some serene, floaty mom or dad who's just yeah. nothing bothers you ever again. Like we have our feelings, but then we learn tools to deal with them more skillfully. We learn tools to deal with our own feelings. And then our kids, we, we can start to stop that, that passing on these generational problems where, you know, we're, we're blaming and shaming our kids. You know, that's really the intention. Yeah, that's the, and I, I, I'm going to share a story with you. When I was raising my kids who are now grown, and I had three little boys in their seats in the back of the car, yelling and screaming, and he touched me, and he shouldn't, you know, and he's poking me. And 
I used to do, this is not exactly what you're talking about, but it was my way of coping of like going into the zone. Like I just kind of didn't, you know, I was in another, I don't know if I was on another planet, but maybe just another in another zone. So I wasn't reacting to all of that. And my sister-in-law came to visit before she had kids and I driving her home from the airport and she's listening to that. And she turned to me and she said, I'm never having children. <laughs> that was her. <laughs> since she had three kids after that, but it was like, I-, I can't do this. But anyway, that was an example of maybe not what you're talking about, but my way of coping so that I wouldn't turn around and start yelling and screaming and, and, and doing what obviously you're not supposed to do. Anyway, just a little antidote. Well, no, no. It sounds like what you're doing, Catherine, you know, is like kind of you're shifting your attention. You know, we tend to, we're shift our attention onto like a problem, but you kind of maybe rightly in that situation were like, this is nothing is helping this problem at the moment. <laughs> so you shifted your attention to, a, a, in a, to a, you know, something else that helps you to cope and, and shift your attention away from like, oh my God, I'm going crazy. And rather than reiterating that in your head a mazillion times, you, you were able to shift your attention. And that's really the, a lot of the power of mindfulness is being able to control our attention and to, and to, you know, sort of be the, our, our, our minds and our brains are kind of a, a, a terrible master, but a wonderful servant. And we wanted to sort of bring it into alignment as a, as a tool rather than being pushed and pulled by the winds of our, uh, of the world so much. And I would imagine Hunter that, some people have more difficulty with that than others, as you as you've mentioned mentioned in your book. I mean, like if somebody really has had close to even abusive parenting, maybe not physically abusive, mm-hmm. but you know, abusive language and stuff. I would assume that it's it somewhat more difficult, or but more necessary for them to be engaged in this in mindful communication and to learn this. That it would really be critical because they've had a really bad kind of experience, have had a bad experience, and you don't want to perpetuate that and take it to the next generation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that can be such powerful motivation for people to really do the work. Um, and, and understanding that, of course, we're going to be perfectly imperfect. But yeah, it's interesting because when we grow up with unskillful language, you know, which is most of us, <laughs> or grew up with a lot of like orders and threats and all of that stuff, um, it really is like learning a new language. And it, and, and it takes a lot of uh, practice and support and, and all of those things to, to transform our language, we're doing some translation in our heads. It's like we're translating into Korean, you know, so uh, that understanding that, you know, it, it takes a lot of, of practice and a lot of support to start to start to really transform these patterns. But the payoff is so huge. You know, uh, I remember once my dad came to visit and, you know, my dad and I had a but not a great relationship for a long time because of his temper um, and unskillfulness. And um, he said to me, he was sitting on our, in my futon and he was saying, Oh, you know, I think it's great what you're doing. He said, my father, he beat me with a strap and I didn't do that to you. I, I thanked you, but you're not even, you're not doing that to your kids. And I thought, yeah, like I'm not hitting my kids. And, like, that's not enough for me. Like, I want, I want us to have good relationships. Like, I want my language to be nonviolent. I want my, 
I want us to have connection um, based on, you know, mutual care and concern rather than me using manipulation and power over you. So you're building that muscle over generations. Yeah, well, you talk about, I think you, yeah, earlier you were talking about building up that muscle just as individuals, as parents. Um, but you, that is happening over the generations, you say, which that's what it sounds like anyway. I mean, what happened to your father and then next generation and now mm-hmm. what you're doing for your kids, which makes a huge difference. You know, one of the things you also say, and this happened to me as a grandparent with my kids living with me during COVID and their and my grandchildren, why it's better to act as a helper rather than a problem solver. And I had a real example of that. I, 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 my four-year-old grandson would come into my room in the morning. Now they've since gotten their own house, but uh, and he'd start he, you know, tell me some of his problems, whatever they were for four-year-olds, and I would start to want to give him an answer. To and he looked at me and he said, "You know, Grammy, I just want to tell you about it. You don't have to tell me what to do." Oh. <laughs> and I thought, "Wow, okay, <laughs> yeah." And it's exactly what you're talking about. I mean, that's one of the things that you talk about, which, but there it was. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how we can really feel that. It's funny because, you know, that this is also in our partnership relationships. We have to kind of say that too, you know, I just need you to like hear me out right now. But honestly, it's amazing just the power of compassionate, present listening, like, the power of like being really just present and attentive and being with someone while they talk about a problem, it's so healing. We don't really have to solve all our kids' problems. It's not our job. Like they're going to have a whole bunch of problems in life. But if we can hear them, if we can really see them, and that really creates this connection and this open space to be to be seen and heard. I mean, when you can do that, you know, when he's four, then when he's like 14, when he's 17, when it's harder, there won't be that like damage there and he'll know like I can talk to you. And that's what we're, you know, we're really aiming for. Or I can go to my therapist and talk to. Yeah, <laughs> right. exactly. Yeah, it's like a therapy, you know, it is takes from therapy, right? That That language of, just listening and re- listening reflectively, it really does come from therapy for sure. But you do have to practice that. You have to practice, practice, because I think the response is, I want to I want to fix it. Well, however I'm going to fix it, yeah. whether I'm yelling back or I'm doing it calmly or however I'm doing it, I need to do something like that. I have to respond and you don't. Like you're, you can step back from it, but as you say, you have to get that muscle working and be able to, to build on that. Really critical. Yeah. yeah. It's it's hard. It's not easy. Yeah, in the in mindful parenting, we you know it's like a, a, a every month we practice the big three communication skills, and we get together in a group and practice listening reflectively to each other because it is this like skill that we can that you build and you get better when you're reminded and you practice. And then it's pretty amazing though what can happen as we practice this skill. I had someone telling me yesterday about oh my gosh, you know, talking to my nine-year-old, it was like peeling an onion, you know, and she just told me about this and then about this and then about this. And I just, you know, kept listening. And it was like this huge aha of all these things that were going on for her daughter that she hadn't heard before. But when she stopped wanting to solve the problem and listening, she got to hear a lot. But it, it, it takes us getting, you know, it's so uncomfortable for us to feel 
our kids' pain and discomfort that we just want to make it go away and fix it. It's very natural, right? Like just because we love them and they're so close to us. But, but yeah, there we we practice a little sense of like a little bit of like remove, a little bit of letting be, you know, and and a little bit of just holding space rather than than just making them feel good all the time. Yeah, walking away from that fix-it mentality, as you say. Now, you've been the host of the Mindful Mama podcast, you said, since 2014. So you must have had, or you have had a lot of experiences. I think you mentioned before the show, 268 episodes. So what's been happening on your show? I mean, you've got so many stories to tell, I would imagine. Oh, man. I've had some really interesting conversations. I recently talked to um, Elizabeth Feldman Barrett, who's like, what she's like the a neuroscientist or she's a scientist and she's like one of the top 1% most cited scientists in the world. And she did the, she talked about why our body's body budget and why self-care is so important. Really circling right back to that mom you talked about that didn't get enough sleep, the hypothetical mom and what really happens in our bodies in that, in that moment. It's really, really fascinating. And Another really, really important conversation about, um, prote- you know, protecting our kids with Amy Lang, protecting our kids um, uh, on the Internet, you know, like in the birds and the bees wise, protecting them from porn and things like that. Like this is like a huge, important thing that is really very quickly coming upon us parents and grandparents as um, a responsibility that we've got to protect our kids from just as much as we put protect them from car crashes with car, car seats and stuff. So, yeah, a lot of good learning and information. So you're actually that. doing, like, on that theme, you're doing, you really have, are doing double duty because you're doing all the stuff that happens to them in the real world and not just, and then you've got this virtual world that you're protecting them from too. I mean, that's a, that's mm-hmm. a whole, uh, you know, in, say in the past 20 years, you know, with the pr- proliferation yeah. of the Internet and all the information, like you're saying, that's out there. That's a tough job for parents today to be to have to do both, to be doing both, to be constantly oh, aware. Yeah. yeah. Oh so, yeah. It's so hard. Yeah. It's like and there's so much it's so easy to to see really scary, damaging stuff. It's really, really easy. And a lot of and parents need to really be getting on that a lot earlier than we think we should. When you say a lot earlier, what do you mean? Like when do, are they getting on like in middle school and they should be getting on in elementary school or what's the timeline? Yeah. I mean, we've got to talk to kids like it's certainly in elementary school. I mean, but the talk about our body, protecting kids in our, in their bodies, you know, it happens really young, you know, where, you know, I'm not an expert on this, but like the idea, you know, that where we have to teach them you know, correct names for their bodies. And we have to teach them that their bodies are private, right? And then, you know, the whole, you know, if you think about if your kid is on a device with access to the internet, um, at whatever age, you've got to really protect them from, you've got to do a click-through test. So see how many clicks it takes you to go through and find porn. Like you can look up a search on horses. And if you find a search on horses, you find may find a search on horses mating. And then yeah. you may click on that because that's interesting. And then there you go. Your six-year-old is off. You know, it's like the, that can happen much, much more easily than we realize. 
I had a couple weeks ago, you need to have her on your show. Maybe you already have, but the shameless psychiatrist. And that's what she talks mm. about. She's a child psychiatrist in, in New York City and talks and exactly what you're talking about, about making kids having the facts about their bodies and, and the real facts and, and being prepared and so they don't get hooked into or sucked into all the things that you've just been talking about. Um, yeah, th- she just yeah. wrote a book. But anyway, um, there are – so tell us. We've got only about two it's or three so minutes important. left. Yeah. Okay. So Raising Good Humans. I'm assuming this book is for, uh, this would be for parents, teachers, all of us, right? Uh, grandparents, uh, it's, it's um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the kind of, the secret about it is like, it's like parenting, but but, but these are relationship skills that are, are really universal. But because really what it brings together is these tools that, that, you know, the whole mindful parenting method is, I think of it like there's an acronym, CLEAR, that I use for it, and it's like C, calming, calming our reactivity, habits that steady the heart, the mind, the nervous system, self-compassion, all this inner work with, with L, listening, E, expressing ourselves effectively and honestly, A, attending, being present, and R, resolving problems based on needs. So it's, it's, um, it really brings together the, the things we need to, you know, not just say this, but also this inner work that we really need to do to create these transformations from the inside out. And as you said in the very beginning, this is not something that you have to spend the day doing or studying or reading. You know, you start with a couple of minutes, five minutes in the morning. It, it's it's doable for all of us. We can practice this and and get our and build our muscles to be able to do the the mindfulness. A mind, and I want to mention the book again: "Raising Good Humans: A Mindful Guide to Breaking the Cycle of Reactive Parenting and Raising Kind, Confident." kids and i've been talking to hunter clark fields and hunter give us a website and or websites we can go to and also your mindful mama podcast is that just mindfulmama.com or sure um everything is at mindfulmamamentor.com you can find raising good humans there you can learn more about the mindful parenting course i got some great freebies and the 260 episodes of the podcast are all there too and anywhere you listen to podcasts thanks so much for being on the show to get to, I, I learned a lot it was great hunter clark fields and raising good humans and good luck with all of it <laughs> and we all need thank it too. you so much yeah I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. 